revival as being something that, that changes us. There's no bigger change that can happen to a person than when they get saved. Uh, Monday night, we, we asked this very, very simple question, is, is are you saved? And, uh, and the school teacher kind of comes out in me, but uh, if, you, if you have the opportunity, and I'm not saying right here, right now, but if you have the opportunity one day, get you out a piece of paper, get you out a pencil. Uh, today's school teacher says get out your Chromebooks, but I, I like paper and pencil. You get out your pencil and paper and, and answer the very, very simple question. And uh, is all you say. And, and just write down yes or no. And then below that, answer the question why or why not. It's, it seems very easy. It seems very simple. But whenever you get to asking yourself why would God save somebody like me, it, 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 it tends to draw us a little bit closer to God because it humbles us. Well, why would God send His Son to save somebody like me, somebody that don't deserve it? And if you're here and you, you, you don't know Jesus Christ, that why, whatever it may be, is not worth dying and going to hell over. Whatever is keeping you from Jesus is not worth dying and going to hell over. There's, there's nothing. There's no explanation that you can put that's going to get you out of hell. There's no explanation that you can put that is going to, let, uh, that is going to make God say, Well, you come up with really good excuses. It's, it's not going to work that way. It's, it's yes or no. It's Jesus or perish. And tonight we're going to go a little bit further in... What does it take to be a Christian in that what happens after we get saved? We know that we're saved. We're assured that we're saved. And we, we looked at some scriptures last night about a knowing salvation. And tonight we're going to look at what, what happens next. The Bible says, well, let's go ahead and turn that direction. Romans chapter number 12. If you have your Bibles tonight, the book of Romans chapter number 12. We're not going to be reading anything tonight. or That's a surprise to you. It's a verse that most of you in here could probably quote. But the Word of God never gets old. The Word of God we never fully understand. And every time we look at it, every time we read it, it seems like God allows us to see something a little bit different. And He has this verse with me uh, this past week. Romans chapter number 12, verse number 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that uh, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, Paul is a very, very organized writer when it comes to the book of Romans. From the beginning to the end, he's very organized in his thought process. And where we pick up in, in chapter 12 and chapter 13 is Paul is telling the church here how to be a Christian. And the first thing he starts out saying in this, in this verse, he says, by the mercies of God. A lot of times I overlook that part. I, I go straight to let's present our bodies a living sacrifice for God. That's the first place I go. But we can't do that on our own. God gives us that opportunity. God gives us the chance. God gives us the, the, the God opens the door. He gives us the chance to live, to work for him. 
And so before we present our bodies, let's remember the God that's allowing us to work for Him. The God that gives us the privilege to work for Him. The God that gives us each and every opportunity to work for Him. By the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. The, the quote goes, and, and I hope I can get it on a bumper sticker one day. Jesus died for me. Why can't I live for Him? Jesus died for us, and yet so many times we neglect to live for Him the way that we should. Before we get started tonight, I want to ask a, a simple question once again. Question seems like always drives me. Whenever I have, have things in my life I'm struggling with, I, I like to write down questions. And, and in search of, of those answers, praying to God over those answers seems like I, I find a lot more. But questions really help me, so tonight I want to ask a question. Is are you, am I, are we the Christian that we ought to be? And even a better question is, am I the Christian that I should be? Am I the Christian that I could be? And my personal answer, and I don't ask you to, to answer back to me, my personal answer for all that is, is no. I'm, I'm not the Christian that I should be. I have entirely too much room to grow. I, I have entirely too many opportunities that God gives me to witness for Him that I, I pass up on. But Paul didn't say that we would ever be perfect. He said to strive toward perfection he didn't say to to present our bodies as perfection before god he said to present our bodies a living sacrifice to give them over to him he said this is our reasonable service god has given us everything whenever you take a breath that was from god whenever your heart beats that was from god whenever you get up in the morning it don't matter if you snap crackle and pop it's still from god Whenever you get out and, and you get moving and you get going, it don't matter how long that Walmart receipt is, how big that bottom line is. It's still from God. It, it don't matter how, how deep the mud is or how dry the dust is. It's still from God. Amen. Now, as humans, we're going to try to find a way to complain, but oftentimes I, I try real hard to find myself finding the reason not to complain because God has blessed me abundantly more than I could ever have imagined. God has been so good to me, and yet too many times we hesitate in living for Him. We hesitate in witnessing to other people. We hesitate in sharing the gospel. We hesitate in handing out tracts. We hesitate in handing out Bibles. We hesitate in inviting people to church. We hesitate in asking them how they stand with Jesus. One of the most terrifyingly eye-opening statements, questions that have ever been asked to me, happened to me whenever I was in college. And the guy I was working with on the farm, Asked me a question. And we've been working together for a year, year and a half. And we was feeding animals on a Sunday. I was living in the barn and, and part of my rent was feeding the animals on a Sunday. So we got up, went to church that morning. Come home and he asked me where I'd been. I said, I went to church. He said, oh, you're a Christian? That hurt. He said it like a question. You're a Christian? I, 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 didn't, I didn't know how to respond to that. I, I knew what the answer was. I knew what I needed to tell him. But the fact that he asked, that's what hurt. The fact that he had to ask, are you a Christian? If we present our bodies to God, and we're going to flip over to Peter and read it in just a minute. If we present our bodies to God, then we are supposed to be different. 
We are supposed to be set apart. We are supposed to be noticeable. We are supposed to be the ones that stand out. And I'm not saying that, that I should, if I almost wore my pink jacket, where I could stand out, but I didn't. We're not supposed to stand out so everybody can laugh at us. We're not supposed to stand out so everybody can know exactly who I am. Because it's not about who I am, it's about who God is. It's about who Jesus is. And we're not supposed to stand out so I can get the glory. John says, John says that, that I must decrease. He must increase. Jesus said if a man was going to follow me, he must deny himself. It's not about me. It's about Jesus shining through me. And if Jesus is going to shine through me, I must first present my body a living sacrifice. I must be transformed. That moment following salvation, those days following salvation. I told you last night, or maybe Monday night, after I got saved, I called people and I told people and I told the people at school. I was a kid at the time, and I told my best friend. And it turns out, just a couple of weeks before, he had gotten saved, and, and he told me about it. And we, I mean, we just talked about it. And then a year later, we didn't talk about it as much. And two years later, we didn't talk about it as much. And I got to high school, and I didn't invite very many people to church. I got to high school, and I was more focused on me. I was more focused on how I could achieve. I was focused on the grades that I was getting. I was focused on how many points I was scoring. I was focused on what I looked like. I was focused on everything but God. I got to college, and I was focused on passing. I was focused on working. I was focused on trying to make two nickels into a quarter, and I just couldn't do it. I was focused on everything but God. Following salvation, it is very, very easy to be on fire for God. Right after you get saved. There's a, a fire burns within you. It's a metaphor a lot of people like to use. Immediately following salvation, that fire burned within us. And it, it, it's easy to be on fire for God. It's easy to invite people to church. It's easy to be excited about it. But what about a year later? What happens then? Are we as excited today as we was this time last week? This time last year? Do we get excited about God? Are we standing out in the world? Are we standing out from the world? Are we standing out so everybody can see Christ in me? How do we do that? How does the world see us? I had a man say one time, said, you're not dressed much like a preacher. So what does a preacher dress like? What does a Christian dress like? What does a Christian look like? I've seen them in all shapes and sizes. I've seen them in all, in all kind of stuff. Hair long, hair short, no hair at all. Tattoos up and down their arms, piercings, clean shaven, and people come in every shape and size. Christians come in every shape and size. So apart from physical appearance, because I've seen people who had nothing to do with Christianity would cuss you up one side and down the other wear a suit. It's not the suit that makes us a Christian. It's not a tie, it's not a long sleeve shirt, it's, it's not our hair, it's not our bumper sticker, it's not the Instagram. What makes us a Christian? What sets us apart? What makes us different? Verse number two. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Being a Christian, denying ourselves and following Jesus, does not happen on the outside all of a sudden. It is an inward change that bleeds through. It is a transformation of our mind. 
It is a transformation of the way we think, of the way that we act. Whenever the disciples were called, Peter is always the one that we pick on a lot. Peter did a lot of growing. From the time Jesus called him to the time Jesus was crucified. But Peter was still not growing up. Peter did a lot more growing from the time that Jesus was crucified to the time that he wrote the epistles. Peter continued to grow and mature as a Christian. It is a process. If we ever cease to learn, if we ever cease to grow, then we become stagnant. We become dead as a Christian. And that's not saying that we're still not saved. We can't lose our salvation. We've covered that. But whenever we get to the point that we are no longer growing for Christ, then we are just sitting still. You know what they call that in the nursing industry? And in the doctoring industry, they call that a flat line because nothing's happening. You're not growing anymore. There's a chart, and I'm going to pretend that there's a whiteboard right here, and I'm going to draw it out for you. This axis over here is time. This axis down here is our Christian growth. And that line should be going this number right here. But if it ever turns flat and time starts passing and we quit growing, then what good are we? Are we really presenting our bodies to Jesus as, as a sacrifice? Are we really giving our life to Him? What does it take to be a Christian? It takes a transformation. It takes us changing. It takes the world being able to see a change in our life. There's a song. Most of you know it. It's called He Made a Change. He made a change in the way that I'm living. Old things passed away. Behold, everything is new. I'm born again, set free, finally forgiven. If He can make a change in me, He can make a change in you. Whenever we get saved, there is a change within us and it must bleed through. That is how the world tells if we're a Christian. Not by the clothes we wear, not by the way we talk, but by the way we act, by, by our actions. A math teacher's worst thing she wants to hear. And her favorite thing to say, it was my math teacher's favorite thing to say, is whenever we come up with a really good answer, and I was always quick to do math in my head, and I didn't like writing it down, I'd get an answer and she'd say, that's right, but prove it. If you're going to be a Christian today, if you're going to say, I'm a Christian, if you're going to say, I'm a, I'm, I'm a church goer, I'm a Bible thumper, I, I'm a member of the church, and I'm, I'm on fire for God, prove it. Prove it. If I'm going to say that I live for God, prove it. It don't show just by me saying it. I can tell you I can fly forever, but if I don't jump up and hit that ceiling, I can't fly. If you're going to tell me that you're a Christian, if I'm going to tell you I'm a Christian, it does not hold water if our actions does not prove it. Flip over, if you would, to 1 Peter. Chapter number 2. Book of 1 Peter chapter number 2. He says we are a chosen generation. Whenever we are saved, we are set apart. The gospel is foolishness to them who do not know. God is a mystery to them that don't know Him. But whenever we get saved, we then know Him. Well, we then reach a point that, that, that the rest of the world don't understand. We then reach a point that we can grow in God. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God.
which has not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. There's a lot of things that we share every day. Does anybody in here gossip? Anybody? <laughs> I know you do. Raise your hand. I know you do. Everybody in here loves to gossip. What, what, is, what, is, what is new? What, what's, what's going on down the road, especially when it has nothing to do with us? That's when we really like it. We spread gossip. We spread mess. We, we sp- Sometimes we're messy people. We spread everything else. It don't take but a minute when something happens and the whole community knows about it. Don't take but a minute. How much do we spread the gospel? We were chosen of God. Chosen to be used of Him. But how often do we spread the gospel? How often do we invite people to church? I'm going to get real personal. How many times have we asked someone if they knew Jesus this week? This week. Me and you, how many times have we asked someone if they knew Jesus? How many people did I invite to church this week? How many people did you tell about God this week? How many folks did you tell you was praying for? How concerned were you about their eternal soul? It gets really, really personal whenever it comes to living for God. But that's what Christianity is. It's personal. Salvation was personal and and living for God is very very personal he said in times past we had not obtained mercy but now we have obtained mercy of all the things that we could share of all the things that we could post of all the things that we could tweet god is the, is the best whenever you talk about what is the, the greatest things that's ever happened to you salvation has got to be up there but we don't share it like we do everything else i killed a deer last year big one Big one. Stood like that tall. Nine points. Big deer. Got him mounted. I mean, fine deer. Almost had to call for help to get him loaded into my truck. Weighed well over 200 pounds. Big deer. I told everybody about that deer. I showed pictures. I put it on Facebook. I want to tell everybody about that deer. And if I'm not very, very careful, I'll share that more than I share God. I'm not very careful. I'll share what the, the kid Bailey is. Uh, she's singing her ABCs now and whacking her head in the face with styrofoam. But you, get, you win some, you lose some. I'll share her achievements before I'll share God if I'm not very, very, very careful. God don't say give up our entire life for him. He says present your body a living sacrifice. God wants us to live. God wants success for us. God wants happiness for us. He is our heavenly father, but he wants the best for us and the best lives through him. He asked Solomon, he said, what do you want? I'll give it to you. Solomon said, the wisdom to govern your people. God gave him everything. Everything he ever could have wanted. But he chose God first. Turn, if you would, to the book of Titus. Chapter number three. Book of Titus, chapter number three. Verse number eight says, This is a faithful saying. And these things that I will affirm, that thou affirm constantly, that you keep remembering this, that you keep reinforcing this, that you maintain this. 
that they which have believed in God, those who are saved, those who have that faith, those who have, have began that climb, that walk to be a Christian. He said, affirm constantly that they might be careful to maintain good works. How do we stand apart from the world? How do people tell if you're a Christian? How do people tell if you're saved? How do people tell that you're concerned with them? There, there's one word. One word that separates God's people from everybody else. It's the same word that separated Jesus from everybody else. The one thing that He had that, that went above and beyond every other quality. If you start describing Jesus, you have to use this word first. Flip over to the book of Ephesians. We're going to read about it. Ephesians chapter number 4. Verse number 32. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. That verse in a nutshell wraps up what Jesus' answer was whenever the man asked him, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus answered, and just to summarize, paraphrase it, he said, love God, love people. It all comes back to love. What separates us from the world? What separates Christians from, from people who don't have the love of Jesus within them? What separates us, what allows us to stand out? How do people know if we're a Christian? It's the love that we live. Not the love that we have. The love that we live. Love is a verb. We use it as a noun all the time. But love is a verb. It is something that requires action. It is something that requires us to go and do. Back up, verse number 22. How do we live as a Christian? Paul lines it out right here. He said there that ye put off concerning the former conversation. The old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be ye, here's that word again, renewed in the spirit of your mind. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here it is again. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It is a different way of thinking whenever you become a Christian. It is a different way of thinking whenever you become dedicated to God. Whenever you give your life to Him, everything changes from the inside out. It all begins in your mind, in your heart. It all begins whenever that love of Christ becomes clear. And then it bleeds through. He says, verse 24, that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away things that Christians must separate ourselves from, things that we must abstain from, things that we must put away. He said, put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. I mentioned Monday night that that verse in James is one of my favorite verses because it tells us, it says resist the devil and he will flee from you. It tells us that we have a choice whether or not to give place to the devil. And Paul here says that again. He says do not give place to the devil. It means if we don't let him in, he will not come in. Don't mean he won't knock at the door, but if we do not give him place, if we do not give 
him room. If we're going to submit our lives to God, we can't allow the devil to come in. We can't allow Satan to take our life and destroy it. Once he, is, once he has lost our soul, his next bet, his next goal, his next thing that he wants more than anything else is to destroy our life. After we're saved, if we submit our lives to God, then we become a missionary for him. We become an evangelist for him. We become a, a, a Matthew. Matthew wrote down the words of Christ. He said, you are a light that all the world can see you. The Bible says it, that the world can see our good works. And glorify our Father which is in heaven. In order to get to that point of Christianity, we must put off these things. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor working with his hands. That thing which is good he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying. That it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Get all of this out of our life. We're, we're no longer the old man. Before he was saved, Paul beat, whipped, and killed people for believing the same exact thing that he was beat and whipped and tortured for. But there was a change in that man, a drastic change. Whenever you got saved, whether you believe it or not, there was a drastic change in you. How much you grow from that point to the day that, that we're called into glory is 100% dependent upon you. It's 100% dependent upon your dedication to God. You're being sold out to God. Do you want to be a Christian tonight? Do you want to be used of God? It, it, it's yes or no. Being saved is missing hell. That's step one. Being saved is missing hell. Everything works from there. Everything grows from there. Beyond that, beyond that, we must submit ourselves to God. Jesus said, deny ourselves. Take up our cross and follow Him. Romans chapter number 13. Paul brings back that one little bitty word that separates us from the world. Verse number 8. He said, Owe no man anything but love one another. Someone asks you how to be a Christian. Love is the answer. Love. Because if we have love, then we've put away anger. If we have love, we've put away wrath. If we have love for God, we've put away lying. If we have love for God, we've put away corrupt communication. If we have love for God, we've put away stealing. If we have love for God, we've put away bitterness. If we have love for God, and I'm not talking about sometimes love. Anybody in here love LSU? Ole Miss? I know there's an Ole Miss fan. He's been here every night and wore that blame LA, uh, Ole Miss shirt. Sometimes we love football teams. I wear an LSU tie sometimes. Unless they don't win. Then guess what? I'm not an LSU fan no more. Hey. I've wore a navy and red tie before. But guess what? It's only on days they win. You know why? 
I don't really love their team. I'm a bandwagon guy. When they're winning, I'm all for them. But when they're losing, oh, I find another team somewhere. Roll Tide. <laughs> if we treat God the way we treat football teams, if we love Him when it's easy, we're in trouble. If we love Him whenever it's going right, we're in trouble. Three Hebrew children stood before Nebuchadnezzar and said, Our Lord, whom we serve, will deliver us out of thine hand. Things were about to get really hot for them. Things were about to get really difficult. And their faith did not waver. They didn't just love God when it was easy. They loved God whenever everybody else stood aside. They loved God when everybody else bowed down. They loved God whenever their life was on the line. And they stood out because of that love. They stood out because of that dedication. They stood out because they put away those things. Stephen stood out because he lifted not his hand against those who stoned him. Instead, he said, Father, forgive them. And for that, Jesus gave him a standing ovation. Stephen stood out. Paul stood out. And the love that he had for God and the sacrifices that he made for God. He stood out because of that love. Romans chapter 13, verse number 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet if there be any other commandment. It is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. What does it take to be a Christian? Love. What does it take to stand out? Love. What does it take to be separated? Love. What does it take to allow others to see Christ through us? Love. That's it. It gets deep, deep, deep. But it all comes back to love. That's where it begins. That is the first step. We're not going to get into evangelizing and and, and testifying and, and praising God and remaining in that joy. But if we have love, it's like the foundation. It's the first thing that you put and if it's solid, if it's there, if it is steady, if, if there's no trembling in it, if there's no doubt in it, if love is there, we're on our way. I've always had a, a tough time using the term Christian because it means to be Christ-like. Knowing that we'll never be Christ-like, that word has always kind of escaped me. But Paul also told us to be perfect. Knowing that we'll never be perfect, I understand the reason that he used it. It always gives us a goal. It always lets us know that we're not quite there yet. If you're here tonight, and since you've gotten saved, you have flatlined. You've lost your joy. You've become part of the world rather than remaining separated from the world. It's as easy as becoming an LSU fan on years that they win. It's as easy as believing in God to ask Him to rededicate your life to Him.
to learn to love others the way that he first loved us. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He showed us that love. He proved us that love. He continues to prove to us that love. And it's our job to carry that love into the world. It is our job to allow the, uh, everyone else to see that love in us. Well, we have a verse for a song. We'll ask for a verse of invitation. Someone will have something on their heart.